with all the debate that goes on about, you know, potential opportunities that are lost and we're not able to gain, you know, does not mean the sky is falling. It does not mean there will be agony and pain. Um, some of it is a lot of inside baseball. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think last night's budget subcommittee meeting is a first step in the committee charge to try to get some of that inside baseball out. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and 102.9 on the local Franklin area dial. It's a Friday, so we're going to talk Franklin with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Happy Friday, Jamie. Happy Friday, Steve. Beautiful day out. Can't wait to get outside. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I get out to do my work today, and one of the topics will be on that. But you know, as another lead, certainly thanks mm-hmm. to all the listeners uh, for tapping in. Hopefully, they tapped into some of the meetings this week. This was a busy week. <laughs> Um, and we're going to cover, um, we're going to cover some of that as we get into the details here. (laughs) It was a really busy week. I, I, I didn't leave the building. Um, I have a a new couch that we're going to put in the office. Uh, Has your wife approved of that? (laughs) She has, she has, in fact, um, I do go home to sleep. Uh, I know the superintendent is in the same boat. Um, you know, it's just our, it's our playoff run, right? This is our you know, the, this is the part of the year where you get into the playoffs and the Super Bowl run. And I think it's, um, it's just part of the business, you know, it is a very busy week, but, you know, I think for a lot of folks in town, you know, the good thing is, is that, um, you know, for a lot of folks in town, this is the most like educational time of the year, um, Mm -hmm. on, uh, uh, for, for the town in terms of finances. Right. Right. Key key items for sure, yeah, and it picks up on the two two of our themes at least. Certainly, the fine uh, budget cycle we've talked of as being never ending, and then yep. the engagement piece. This is the time to be engaged because this there's a lot happening, um, and we'll get yep. into much some of those details. Segwaying into those details, we'll put a plug in for the health department doing a uh, COVID clinic for kids next mm-hmm. Wednesday. Um, four to six. And I believe it's going to be their final one, um, yep. at least for the short term. For the short um, term, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still great. They've done a phenomenal job, um, a phenomenal job mm-hmm. uh, with the clinics. Um, Alicia, uh, our, our registered public health nurse, the Board of Health, um, Kathy Liberty, uh, Casilla, our epidemiologist, the senior center has been gracious. The firefighters mm-hmm. have been awesome. It's just another typical teamwork event here. Yes. Um, but it's been great with the school department, everyone. It's just been a great team environment to be able to, um, you know, um, it, it's been a great team environment to get these clinics done. And, um, you know, this is probably not the last of the last, but at least no. for this COVID wave, I think, you know, I think that's where that's coming from, right? It's really yeah. the COVID wave. Um, yeah. And we I feel think like we can we kind think- of close this out. Yeah, within that too, I think to the extent, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. So to to add to your uh, kudos for the groups and the team effort, et cetera, I've heard nothing but good things about anybody who's gone. I think the one concern I have, and you probably share as well, without committing you to that, is that the numbers, unfortunately, 
while they've been, you know, somewhat active, we haven't utilized the full capacity. So there are still folks specifically in that kids group that could get vaccinated that haven't yet. And that's a concern. There are. And, and I think, I, I, you know, I'll give a little, <laughs> I'll give a little uh, insight into the way I think about this stuff. You know, I think, I think that it's an individual choice by this point. And I think, I think ultimately we all feel one way or another about how all of this should have been and should mm-hmm. be with masks right. and vaccines and yep. regulations and mandates and whether people should be fired and, you know, and for not getting it. And I think, I think, as I've said on the show, maybe before in other places, I think the, the, the divisiveness, the polarization, the politicization, mm-hmm. the fatigue, the mental anguish, the emotional uh, feelings people have, you know, I, I think when you tally all that up, we're at a point where that's just that, that is now more, in, or it has been at, at least the last few months, more intense than the threat of the pandemic itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that we're at a point where I've decided, you know, several months ago in particular, really a year ago, um, you know, if you go back a year from now, Steve, we were all running around trying to get appointments at midnight at two in the morning oh, for a two, vaccine. Two years ago today, you know, the shutdown happened too. So <laughs> two years ago, two years ago, right now, the shutdown was about here. And, yep. and, and I think when I look back a, a year ago, you know, there was in my mind, it was clear the vaccine was uh, a lifeline. Mm-hmm. And and from a liability standpoint of 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 representing public officials on the town, on the taxpayers, you know, there's not a superintendent of schools or a town administrator or mayor or others that didn't sit there and think, geez, what if this happens on my watch? Right. What's the financial liability? What's the 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 human um, um, casualty and how does that happen? Mm-hmm. I think every CEO in America thought for a while, like, I'm going to ask all my employees to do this because it's going to help me reduce liability, keep people alive, keep my business alive. And, and it's going to be the path of least resistance to save people from getting really sick or dying. Right. And I think a year later, we sit here and, and I think to myself at times, you know, some organizations, businesses, some public entities have have chosen to have mandates. And I look back and I think to myself, was it worth it all? Mm-hmm. Did firing employees make us all better? You know, when I think at the end of the day, everybody knows how they feel by this point about wearing masks, vaccines, um, social distancing, um, uh, the, the political talking points on it. And we're just at a point now where I think we have to relinquish the fact that we now have enough evidence that this is an individual, that these are all individual choices. And, um, you know, we run risk in our lives every day, airplanes, cars, um, food, you you know, you name it. We're always putting ourselves in risky behaviors. Um, I drive down 495 every morning (laughs) and the speed at which people (laughs) blow by me, I think to myself, geez, I wonder if that gentleman or that individual knows the threats. And I'm sure mm-hmm. they do. If they, right. hit a, if they hit a black ice, they're, they're, they're probably going right off the road. Right. And so I, I just think that at this point, we all have to, um, and I, this may sound funny, but I mean it, it, it we have to think of, of spring is next week. 
The Red Sox are back in play in April. The Celtics <laughs> are doing phenomenal. We got a great quality of life in Franklin. We got an exceptional quality of life in Massachusetts. Summer's around the corner. Um, I think we all need to turn the corner on our personal opinions of all this stuff and allow individuals to just do what they do. And if, and if, and if it, if it results in a consequence that we don't want, um, I think we just have to accept the fact that some people know that and take that risk and it may not have worked out. Um, uh, I mean, people may even just get sick for two weeks. I'm not talking about just casualties. We had 51 cases of COVID in the last week in Franklin from this week's report, mm-hmm. microscopic. So, you know, I think if there are families out there that have yet to get the shots or they're still concerned about their children, um, you know, I think we have to just be considerate of that. And just like we're considerate of people who um, are wearing masks still, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be accepting, um, you know, um, you know, violence of any sort from people who are still angry about mm-hmm. masks. Um, and we just got to kind of move on and turn the corner. Segwaying along and touching back to the good day on the Friday, weather-wise on my walk this morning, I noticed that one of the hotels nearby that has been something of quote in air quote, I saw <laughs> there's actually construction going on there. And I know you referenced it in at least one, if not two meetings this week, that the hotel industry was running at about a 40, 45% um capacity uh as opposed to 80 85 which is where they had been this is also one of those good signs at least for that particular hotel they're resuming construction because they feel good enough that things indeed on the pandemic side are now opening up enough that they can complete it and you know either sell it or just open it for themselves well one good news is i can tell uh the folks that we did look into the hotel that many people have contacted me about um as you can tell there are now groups again a sign of spring there are people who are um over there working when the pandemic hit the hotel was roughly approximately half done yeah that's what i recall because we discussed Um, that at one point here yeah yeah and the building commissioner did a great job um as he always does um in going over there and, and really making sure there was proper fencing, mm-hmm. there was, you know, there was proper oversight. There weren't any individuals who were um, able to get in. Um, and I think that, you know, that gave me a lot of optimism. I think Steve, that, that this was going to all work out and that, mm-hmm. you know, eventually um, the hotel would get back up and going. So now they're, um, so now they're going and, um, you know, hopeful that maybe over the course of this year, um, you know, we'll be able to see that, uh, that project come to fruition. I know the neighbors are certainly going to be happy. Uh, and it's still going to be, if you will, kind of quote an eyesore. It's, it's a, not so much an eyesore per se, but it's certainly a change to the horizon. Um, as you look at it from different places and even walking up King street towards the 495 intersection, it, it, it juts up above the tree line and it sticks out. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be nice to actually get occupied and get it in business. And well, as we heard last night and not to transition, mm-hmm. but you know, I think last night's joint budget subcommittee meeting was, um, you know, it was a really educational exercise for a lot of folks. Yes. And I think now in this context of this project, you know, that's new growth, right? That's revenue to the town in yep. terms of property taxes and valuation. And I think, 
I think people now realize the relationship, at least a little more than, than the day before, people now realize the relationship between the planning department, planning board, the permitting agencies and staffing and uh, services for the town. So, mm. you know, having that hotel not be just an eyesore for the neighborhood is certainly positive, but also, um, you know, the valuation of that property is gonna go up significantly, right? to be able to provide the necessary revenue for uh, for our town operations. Sure, and then to the extent that it is just a hotel, if I recall, they only have minimal dining services for their guests. So that's gonna be additional business for the restaurants in the area as well, Never mind the gas station, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there's there's domino effects to that occupancy and that it all, all is good for us, for sure. And as we said last night, I think you know a couple of the members of the board came over to talk to me afterwards, they were stunned. They were thinking like, wow, I, I see what he's saying. You know, to your point, Steve, the replicative effect, mm-hmm. right? You not only get more valuation on the property, right? but then you have a hotel tax of people that don't live in town yep. that are spillover from Gillette events and Great Woods and the city of Marlboro sporting events yep. and all the other large places in the, in the area. And then on top of that, they're going to go out and eat at restaurants locally. And and, you know, I think people today get, you know, at times a little too intellectual about things, but all you really need to know is the philosophy on that. And it works. The numbers kind of fall in. It's hard to predict exactly how much of this, that, and the other thing, mm-hmm. but it's about the philosophy. And, um, you know, that's something I really attribute here culturally in Franklin to Jeff Nutting for really persuading the public on those kind of concepts that have been pretty successful. They have. So we'll get into the week that was, um, because as I touted it, it was four nights of four different reveals. (laughs) And stay tuned because the reveals are going to be impactful all during the week. And we started off with the Franklin for All on Monday night with more of an overview and some details and some terminology on zoning, in particular for downtown, and kicking off the survey, which I believe is certainly being filled out. To be curious to find out how many people actually have filled it out. I don't know if you know, but that, that'll be interesting to know. As a matter of fact. Oh, good. You're on top of things <laughs> so, as usual. Why not? <laughs> well, uh, we're back to Lily. Lily's on top of things. Um, it's awesome. Uh, so far, there's already been over 150 people who have filled out the survey. Um, it, it, it's funny you mentioned the zoning. I, I, I almost like feel like that was a month ago. Um, <laughs> it was such it was a busy last, week. <laughs> um, it was such a busy week. And on Monday, um, you know, we did have that great zoning form. I know you thank Steve for putting out the survey um, throughout the community and trying to get people to, to sign up. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really not that complicated of a survey. I know a lot of people usually click on surveys. They get uh, service-based surveys, right? Yep. You know, and they kind of go, the, the people say, oh, it'll take five minutes. And then people get mad and it takes a half hour and it gets too complicated. Um, it's a pretty simple survey to fill out. And um, all results are going to be packed into uh, a final report on some recommendations on what to do with downtown. So um, yeah, I encourage everybody out there to really take a look at that survey and, and spend a few minutes. Maybe people are going to go out and enjoy the sun break out the patio decks or something this week and uh, hop on your phone and um, just go take a few minutes to uh, chart your voice uh, on the future of downtown Franklin. 
then I know you were probably doing something else beneficial on Tuesday. I was at the school committee meeting where Sarah and others revealed their, uh, or Sarah in particular, is the superintendent's recommended budget, which we'll get into a little bit more in the joint budget committee meeting because that's when it was presented as well. But then from your schedule side, the uh, or uh, part schedule part to pick up Tom's term uh, that he mentioned last night as well, which I thought was a good way to approach it. Uh, FinCom on Wednesday spent uh, another deep dive uh, into the DPW, but minus Brutus, which I think gave folks an understanding of the quality of yeah. that next level of managers within Brutus's world. It really, I just appreciate that, Steve, a lot. And I got a lot of positive feedback. Brutus is a larger than life personality. Um, and he's one of the smartest people I know. Um, you know, he's, as you know, extraordinarily passionate about this stuff. Yeah. And it's hard for him to relinquish um, that high standard that he has and he's become known for in town and really become known for statewide. I mean, this is why uh, the Baker administration and others ask him to testify on a lot of these DPW matters, right? Yeah. Um, but it was great to see the kind of future of the DPW. Bruce won't be with us forever. Nope. Um, you know, he's, he's not... Uh, he's not anywhere near retirement yet, but he's not far away. Um, well, but and somebody, on an to your point, somebody else may tap big too. department. Somebody else may. Um, I don't think that's the case, but um, I think you he's going to be with us the rest of his uh, time. But um, one thing we love about Brutus too is that um, you know that next level down. Um, you know, particularly for an org, uh, a department like his. Um, as well as like a facilities department, you know, it really does take a lot of institutional local knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's other departments and training that the local knowledge matters and can help, you know, housing is housing in each town, you know, and the dynamics are just kind of similar. Um, you know, uh, in, in the case of DPW and facilities, you know, knowing where the wires are behind the walls, you know, knowing what's underground, um, you know, I recently did an interview that I don't believe has been published yet with Bloomberg News um, okay. as a feature community on a series they're doing on the impacts of recruitment and job recruitment at the local level. And I was saying to them that every time we lose a gentleman like Tommy Grunstrom sure. uh, at the sewer department, you know, 25 years, that's like 1.25 full time employees leaving the organization because. Yeah. They know where every knob, every spigot, every water line, every sewer line, every connection um, is. And that just breeds an efficiency in and of itself. It's a big challenge moving forward for jobs because people just move where the money is. But um, ultimately, you know, I think you saw this Wednesday night. I did, too. Um, you know, I don't get to see those guys do public presentations much. What I came away with um, is that uh, what I see in private uh, behind the scenes is also what the public is seeing in Derek and Doug and Kathy. And, you know, each of them comes with their own specialty and expertise. Uh, you know, we love, you know, Derek just has such a command uh, at his age and his tenure. He's such a command of, of the operations um, on virtually every level. And I'll share something about Derek that most people don't know. He was also the staff representative um, on our insurance advisory committee for years. He yeah. was the union president for years. 
Yeah. He also was the, the staff uh, representative on the safety committee, which organizes all the training for workers comp for the department. Um, so he's had his experience around the board and Doug came in filling very, very big shoes with Lori Rosala. Yes. And we thought there would be a, a bit of an equalization or, 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 or there. And uh, the way that he has managed those folks down there in the water and sewer department, I would venture to say the morale has probably never been better. Um, and they would say that. And that's what they tell me. And, and just for Kathy to be able to get front and center, um, she's one of our top finance officials. And one of the things I loved from the other night, if people go back and watch the tape, somebody asked her about gas. She didn't even look in her notes. No, of course. She just said, she goes, yeah, we buy about 70,000 gallons of petroleum a year, 30,000 gallons of diesel at this rate and this rate. And just right off the top of her head. And yep. I was, even though she didn't get a lot of time to speak, I was really happy she got a few notes in there because she really is a master of the numbers down there. And uh, I'm glad you said that, Steve. And I hope other people go back and watch that a non-Brutus can of Reggie presentation exists and, and they should take a look at it. It was real fun. It, it was. And it was interesting, too, because to a certain extent, and Brutus is Brutus. So there was a little bit more fun in his presentations. But to your point, between Kathy, Doug, and even Derek, especially the the facility they had with the facts in the details at their fingertips without referring to the notes was impressive. Um, and I had the only faux pas was poor Doug with the uh, PFAS acronym, which, well, you, know, you know, once I said, you know, I mispronounced it, too. But you know, it's so funny because sometimes you get those acronyms of those words you just can't pronounce that only PhDs can pronounce. Right. It was a really funny and lighthearted moment, you know. It, it was. Um, it we was all know PFOS, but polyfluoroligan alkaline, like yeah. who knows, you know. Well, I mean? <laughs> the, the, the key point there is it's also a family of chemicals. It's not just one. Um, yeah. And I know that because it's been on and off the radar for a while, but Doug and Jake. Yeah. Uh, the assistant yeah. super, supervisor had yeah. um, spent, I think it was close to two hours, and we produced three episodes for all the details on water. And we're queuing yeah. up now to go into all the details on sewer. Um, and yeah, it was just amazing to talk through that hour and a half, two hours, and get into all the details on water, many of which <laughs> were covered in the various presentations. And those guys had it at the fingertips. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. I'm anxious and looking forward to learning some more stuff in the sewer <laughs> world, because as much as I know, I'm, I know there's more out there. Oh, there's a lot more out there, including some really bad jokes that Brutus has that we're all going to have to listen to at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his poopy jokes and all that stuff, which right. get a little funny and old at the same of time. Course. But but um, but, you know, there is a lot to, to dig into. I mean, I think one thing that came up last night at the budget subcommittee is this even this concept of a Charles River Pollution Control District. Yes. What the heck is that? Yeah. You know, um, you know, it, most people have no idea that there's this entire legal entity with another board that runs our sewer department you know, um, you know, over there. And so we're a deep organization. And um, I was excited to, I could talk about the budget all day long, right? Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> well, you live it all year long. But, so. <laughs> but it was great to, but, it, but it's great to show the public about the regional dispatch sure. dynamics. Absolutely. You know, this is, this is a big deal in local government, you know, and how fast your 
public officials and public safety officials respond to your how? Absolutely. And the you know, service that goes with that, you know, I yeah. mean, this is, this is important stuff. Yeah. And it goes back to my early days of reporting when we were starting out after the, the only successful override in 2007, the long range planning committee, which I'm sure you have heard of because they set the stage for a lot of the things that are still in place now, including the five-year plan, which you update on a regular basis. Um, that group really exposed that Franklin just doesn't find money. It stores it, et cetera, and brought up to the, at the conversation, at least in those days, those days, you know, some of these concepts and the, one of the big pieces was regionalization. That can be a panacea, yep. but it is so hard to do because of the very, way very things hard are to do. so built into different structures. Um, it's just, it's yeah. a challenge. Yeah, it is. It is a, a challenge and the state has incentivized this so much. Um, but I thought, um, just having all of the elected officials understand and build that knowledge of we're all in the same boat, moving mm -hmm. in the same direction, and we all are interrelated within our decision making. We have to be considerate of not just our lane, although we're going to be respectful of our lane. We also have to realize that we're part of a broader organization and a broader team. And I think that it's, it's, it's no different than the New England Patriots down the road. It really isn't. Yeah. I mean, he's got a special teams. You've got the front office. You got the ownership. You got the offense. You got the defense. You got the the um, the, the training staff. You got the mm -hmm. nutrition staff. You know, and and it, it's a it's a joke by this point about do your job, and it's a joke this point about no one's bigger than the team. But you know, ultimately, that really is the culture in Franklin as well. You right. know, and and you know, I thought. Last night was a great representation of that, you know, with myself and Sarah and, the, and Miriam being able to sit up there. And um, that doesn't happen in every town, folks. No, no. <laughs> it does not. And no. we're proud of it. Yeah. And I know the superintendent is proud of it. The school committee is proud of it. That's a great thing. Um, we really are all working together. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it makes the work a lot, a lot more effective. Yeah, and there'll be a, folks will be able to as a slight plug uh, the FinCon meeting recording and transcript. I've got a pilot that I'm doing this week. The transcript for the Franklin for All was posted. Transcript for the school committee was posted. The transcript for the FinCon and then the, the joint budget committee is in the process. That'll come out this weekend, so people yep. can as well listen to the video when it gets up to replay. But the audios yep. will be out there, the transcript. And I think that came up in one of the comments in the Franklin for All. Uh, one of the individuals who commented was saying, well, for somebody who's hard of hearing, it'd be nice to have kind of the screen captures available. So two yeah. things, clearly the transcript, at least after the fact, you can read. Um, but the other piece that hasn't been talked of that much, uh, there are some uh, hearing assisted devices in the control room so we collectively need to be aware of that chris reminded yeah. me after that but for those people in our population and they are among us they may not be many but they are among they there is assistance available if they choose to use it but we all that's need to right be aware of that. absolutely absolutely but yeah, the Joint Budget Subcommittee, without stealing some of your thunder, um, I, it was interesting that I was able to follow along. Not, not so, I always follow along anyway and take good notes, but I was able to come up with 
at least kind of my shorthand math that, you know, as much as you started with, we're down 3.2 million and got to dig ourselves out of the hole. Effectively, by the end of the meeting, the hole was only about half as bad. But that's still a problem we all need to work through. It is a big problem. I mean, but in, in full fairness, a couple of quick points. Number one, and you kind of spoke to this, but so did all of us. I think everybody has to really realize, number one, that the FY23 budget is in excellent shape. The delivery of services are going to be elite as the public has expected them and as I think our organization has delivered them. The kids' education at the high school and in the school district are still getting a phenomenal education. Kids are, kids are graduating at an exceptionally high rate. They're going to college at an exceptionally high rate. The athletics programs, um, all the extracurricular activities are doing phenomenal. There's mm -hmm. a very vibrant club scene yep. at, um, at Franklin High and throughout the schools. There's a high level of engagement. Look at the geography club, uh, or the diversity awareness club doing the geography sure. night, huge yep. attendance. Yep. Um, there's smiles everywhere on kids' faces. Um, every time I check Twitter in the morning, I see a new level of achievement from our athletics team. Um, gymnastics, women's basketball, even though the men, the boys' basketball, you know, lost the other night, they still had an incredible season. Um, I, I could go on and on. Cheerleading, I can. I, you, oh. It's just, you know, the DPW, you know. Overall, for what we have, if you look at the Norwoods, the Needhams, the Westwoods, the Dedhams, I mean, with the staffing we have, Derek pointed this out the other night, just exceptional return on investment. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need to talk about our public safety. They get a lot of, uh, a lot of applause and for good reason. Right. One of the few communities around that mandate you have to have a paramedics license to be hired by the Franklin Fire Department. Right. Um, that's an elite level of service. Yeah. Um, you know, the police, I think, are well known uh, for being a great department. I could go on and on. We've got great officials everywhere. And I just have to say that, Steve, because I want people to understand that with all the debate that goes on about, you know, potential opportunities that are lost and we're not able to gain, you know, does not mean the sky is falling. It does not mean there will be agony and pain. Um, some of it is a lot of inside baseball mm -hmm. and, um, and I think last night's budget subcommittee meeting is a first step in the committee charge to try to get some of that inside baseball out to a broader audience to have a community conversation about what is the service level we're getting now? Is that what people want? And are they happy enough, content enough and thrilled with what they get for their dollar? And I think, you know, what's that difference, as you mentioned a moment ago, between what, where we're at now and where ultimately, for most of, most of this conversation is obviously about the school district, but also about the DPW, but also about public safety. But where do we want to be? And, right. and what is the conversation about that um, that can be had? And I thought last night's meeting was cordial, was educational. I thought there was a lot of positive questions with great questions, great points. A bunch of shameless plugs, which I don't think were shameless at all, but <laughs> there was some great plugs. And, and so I, I hope that the folks that are listening to this come away with, um, you know, there'll be a lot of chat on Facebook, but ultimately, I know I speak to the superintendent on this. We're going to, 
FY23 is going to be another phenomenal year uh, for the town of Franklin and the Franklin Public Schools. Yeah, I agree. And certainly I'll be doing what I can as I have to continue to share the news, the accurate reporting, the timely info, and the details and substance behind it. Um, there are those among us who prefer to just you know, make comments and unsubstantiate or not provide the substantiation behind it. And thereby Facebook and others will just, you know, dwell on those on the negative side. Uh, okay. Th that's their point of view. That's fine. Go there. If you want to live in a dark world, live in a dark world uh, to your <laughs> mentioned earlier, but um, I'll take the, 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 positive side and say and to your point as well in terms of let's be at least grateful for what we have because we have so much yeah. and let's really focus do. on trying to get it better as opposed to just spending time nitpicking around this other stuff you know it, it is i mean everything eventually becomes a political or uh, policy analysis of, of what's right and wrong Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things I want to illustrate in these conversations that I think Franklin does exceptionally well, take community preservation. Yeah. We, the, you know, I went in asking for a 3% surcharge. Why? Because I believed that that was going to get the best return on investment for the town because you get a higher percentage of match under the law. And I, and I know the, 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 the breadth of, of requests that are in town that could tap in the CPA, right? Oh, um, absolutely. And and the council said, wait a minute, you know, we have a lot of different views in this community. We're gonna do 2%. We're gonna put in the exemptions, which I did propose as well, but yeah. uh, we're gonna put in 100,000 real property and the lower moderate abatement exemption because we wanna be conscientious that there are, a, there are a lot of opinions in this town. And the one thing I would ask the dark um, element is, you know, take a few steps toward the light um, because misinformation, um, uh, anarchy, um, and, and, and other attempts to skew uh, the facts um, don't help. Um, they hurt. And in the case of this Community Preservation Act was a great example where the dark did come out um, the light was there and everybody came, I think, to against my own recommendation. Right. Ultimately, the right answer came out and you had a 60, 40 percent vote at the ballot in the largest sure. election in town history. Yeah. And I, I, I think some of the 40 percent that voted no probably since have come over and said, you know, this is this is a good thing. I've had people tell me that they voted against it. Um, and that, and that they kind of see the value of it now. They still don't want to pay the money. <laughs> well, none <laughs> of us want to pay more, um, but as long but, as we're getting but, something for what we but, pay, it's okay, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's been the history of this town. I know. And I, I commend know. the council for kind of pushing back on me and saying, we're going to make a little bit more of a decision that we think is going to garner broader public support. Yep. I think the operating budget from the school department to the DPW to everybody else have to also consider the, the, the successful, to use my football analogy, Steve, I'm sorry, but, 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 you know, we're first downs in this game. You know, we're, oh, we're, yeah. so, we're, we're down the hill. They were successful on dink and dunk philosophy for many, many years. Yep. 
And, and we're not a Hail Mary uh, for football fans out there in the old days. We're not a John Madden, Kenny Stabler, you know, let's throw the ball down the field for the bomb all the time because it's a low percentage play. The first down strategy is a high percentage play. It brings more people along with you. It brings greater peace and understanding throughout the community. And it's just simply the correct strategy. The Hail Mary attempts, you know, Aaron Rodgers, to use my football metaphors, is probably the best ever at the Hail Mary. And he's still really only connected on a few of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. most of his Hail Marys end up in interceptions or, or, or passes deflected and they don't complete the pass. Right. And I think that that's something that, that, that um, for the non-football fans out there listening, I'm very sorry for you for not maybe understanding what I'm talking <laughs> about. But um, hopefully that relates to a lot of people. And I think that with the operating budget, there has to be a concerted effort and strategy that people move forward in terms of how they solve these issues. Next week, as a matter of fact, the stormwater issue will be back on the agenda. Yep. And, and um, as a tip, when people, this goes live out to the audiences, you know, it's a couple of days away. I think this will probably be out on Monday or Tuesday, Steve. So yep. next Wednesday, there'll be a first reading on the utility fee. Um, and some language changes to incorporate. Here's another example we've done. And I'm feedback. sorry to belabor this, Steve, but I got to go. <laughs> no, you feedback, know, it, absolutely. It, 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 feedback. We've done the education component. We've done the research. We've listened to dozens and hundreds of people. We've batted this around. The public is clear now. They don't want to talk about it anymore. They want the leaders to solve the problem. And we're putting forth a program that gives a waiver 100% of the stormwater fee for financial hardship. We're giving, we're giving in on the criticism we got for gravel roads. It's in the permit for dirt and gravel roads to be called impervious surface. We at the local level disagree with that. So we're gonna go and allow people to apply for abatements on their tax bills for gravel and dirt roads. We think that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, and we're, we're putting in a community assistance program for people that have hardship. We're giving a credit program for people that have already done great work and are putting in rain barrels and systems like that and better systems of recharge on their property. Right. You know, it, it it's going to get labeled as a rain tax. It's not, no, it's simply not what no. it is, is a federal mandate where we sued the federal government and, and mitigated it for the taxpayers of the town. We sued Goliath. And we partially won. Yeah. And now we're at a position where we just don't have many more choices, but we've heard everybody's feedback and we've tried to make the program as amenable to all the feedback that we've had. And, and I think, I think we've made this a lot better for Franklin through all of that engagement. I really mm -hmm. have. And you've been at a lot of those forums in the past. Uh, Steve. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so um, that's going to be back on the docket this week. Um, yeah. I look so it should be an to... interesting conversation. Yeah, I look forward to examining the updated details. I'm sure they'll have, to your point, incorporate a lot of the feedback that I was looking for and had heard as well um, that would make mm -hmm. this better. So, and then to your time schedule for today, thank you for participating. And I'm sure we'll talk about stormwater at the next time, if not a few times after that. Um, so thank you. And for those listening. Steve, it's awesome. Stay tuned. We've got more to come, but we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. 
This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.